To another episode of Soapboxing with Corian. Uh, I'm your host today, Corian, obviously. <laughs> and this is the podcast where we take pressing issues in the soap opera world, break them down, debate, and discuss them with our panel of soap experts. Today, I am back with the first panel from our first episode discussing basically the Black experience in the soap opera world. I'm here with Ashley, Ryan, Trish, and Rodrigo again. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hey, what's going on? So I definitely first off wanted to thank all of you because the first episode, oh my God, the reaction yeah. to that was incredible. <laughs> yeah. I am so, so popular. I am so proud of all of you guys for like <laughs> jumping in with me and trying this new format and doing this thing and sharing your stories and being open and honest. Like it really connected to a lot of people yeah and i thought it was just like so awesome to see just the just the word spreading and people discussing this and being open about it because for so long we haven't spoken about racial issues and so unless it was just like me john and ashley and ryan screaming mm. into like the ether <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, I feel like from, from like, what, like, 2017 to, like, 2019, we were just screaming about this all the time. Yeah. But it's really nice to see other people engaged in the conversation. So I definitely want to thank all of my panelists here today for being a huge part of that. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Of course, of course. So last time we really spoke a lot about the struggles of being a Black soap opera fan, of, you know, seeing our favorite Black soap opera characters and actors mistreated. But I think the main point that I wanted to discuss in this episode, definitely still tying back to our personal experiences as Black people and, you know, seeing them on screen. But I also want to talk about those joyous moments, those fun things that have brought us together as a community that brought us here to this podcast. And I think highlighting that aspect of the experience is just as important. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So basically, I really wanted to say, you know, we've created these communities and these friendships and connected with like a lot of our family members in a lot of ways through this genre. What about these moments are so precious to you? as a Black soap opera fan? I'll start with Ashley. Um, I would say probably, you know, I can remember vividly sitting on the floor in front of one of them old-ass box TVs in my grandmama's living room as she was watching her stories. I was two years old. Now, letting a two-year-old watch some <laughs> of the things that were happening in the 80s on soap operas may have been some form of child abuse. I don't know. All I know is that I was sitting there watching them with her 
And then my mom would come in and my sister would come in. We would just sit there and watch them together. So it's always been something that I've, I've, uh, you know, valued as, you know, a bonding experience with the women in my family. Mm. Now, the women in my family weren't as uh, moved by wanting to see somebody look like themselves on screen. So they watched all the NBC soaps. And you know what I mean by that. Uh, <laughs> so so I had to I had to go out on my own and find, you know, what I was looking for, you know, at, the older I, I became. Um, after that, there was a very long period, like, you know, where, you know, the family that you were watching it with, they have their own thing to do. They're not watching it any longer. There was a moment between that and between um, the internet <laughs> where it just was like, I was kind of out there on my own. And then the internet, it was like, oh, there's message boards and Twitter and opinions of other people that I communicate with. And it's more like a community now. And that has its, its you know, moments of greatness and moments of madness. But you take the good with the bad because I do still consider the soap community a community. Mm-hmm. It's like we do fight. We, we do have our debates. But if you notice, whenever anybody outside of that bubble comes in and attacks you, everybody joins together and just goes every on single time. Every single time. I, I mean, I believe all of days attacked the hell out of Doug Davidson a couple of months ago. <laughs> every day's fan in the world was like, you need to shut the hell up. We hate each other, but we hate you too. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's always, it's, it's been, I, I would say of every, any fandom that I've ever been in, I would say this one is the, the longest standing. So, you know, it does have a special place in my heart. Yeah. You know, we've spoken about it on this podcast and on other podcasts as well. Even when your, you know, affection for soaps wanes, yeah, being a part of the community is still great. Because I feel like you just meet so many mm-hmm. great people and, and you have so many ways that you can connect to each other. Yeah. I, I will be the first one to tell you that as of today's date... I no longer involve myself in U.S. soap business. I, I still love it. I keep to myself. You got a question about Hollyoaks, I will tune in. But uh, as far as the U.S. soaps, I try to stay out of it for right now just because it's, it's, it's a little bit crazy. And I really want to wait and see what they do when they come mm. back after having so many uh, opinions, you know, be amplified now about mm-hmm. what it is that we really want. And if they come back and still do the same thing, then I'm pretty much out completely. But let somebody outside of the soap community say anything about any of these shows. It's on. And listen, (laughs) give my Vaseline. Let's go. (laughs) Who wants to fight? (laughs) (laughs) So, Rodrigo, I wanted to pose the same question to you. Uh, You know, what has your experience as a black soap watcher like how is how has it started how has it you know kept you connected to this community and what's so special about it to you my mother my mother introduced me i think it's i say this uh, every like every black friend i know that watches soaps it always starts with the moms that sat you in front of you with them like ashley said i don't know if it's a form of abuse but all that drama they had us watching, I was just, I was transfixed to the television. And my first show was All My Children. And I just remember as an eight-year-old child seeing this short 
woman that had all these fabulous clothes and like just walked around like she didn't give a damn and like that was Erica Kane. And I was just like, oh my God, who is this? And um, from then on, I, just my love of the soaps just, just kept growing and growing. And the funny thing is, I didn't even know black people existed on Soul Barbers until like one day I was spending a summer in Canada and my, my godmother just had, just happened to have generations on, on television. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, they're like <laughs> almost all black people. Mm-hmm. The same thing I just watched these white people doing, and I was just like, even as a child, I could tell. I, I saw that I didn't see anyone like me on television, but oh my god, from Generation, then when I saw Young and the Restless with Drusilla and Neil and Olivia and Nathan, and, and it just my love, especially in the '90s. I was a big GH and Days of Our Lives fans back then. And both those shows, especially GH, when they had their black storylines. And so it's just, love it. I even, I love it even more just because I was a little, sometimes I was embarrassed to say I was just so proper watching because I would get these looks from people like, oh my God, you still, you watch that? Oh, over the top drama, da, da, da. But now I have a voice. I have an outlet, outlet where I can spill all my guts right. about how much I love it. And I wish I had. Well, back then I was going on the message boards and like, you know, doing it that way. But now I let the world know I love soap operas. And even now, when they piss me the hell off right now, and they've been doing it on and off for years, that's what's so especially U.S. soap operas. Yeah? But they they're known to piss off their viewers. <laughs> they, they are, especially their black viewers. We get pissed off so much on them, but it's like we can't let go of it just because there's a history behind it. There is, and like letting it go, it would be like letting go of just the memories. And my mom to this day, we still talk about it. She's still holding on to the shows. Even though she recognizes, you know, they're still doing the same plots over and over and over again because she's been mm-hmm. watching for so many years. So she recognizes it now. Um, so it, my love will never change for the genre as much as they piss me off. But it, it just, of it, just I just can't let it go. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to fully let go. And I think. You know, bringing up your point that you mentioned, you know, you didn't even realize that people didn't look like you on these shows. It's like you fall so deep into it and you get so connected to it. And like, I know with me, it didn't bother me at first because through the community, I connected with people who look like me and but like also people who thought like me and had these same feelings towards the genre. And I thought like that was super valuable to me. But representation matters, which we discussed before. So we need to have both. (laughs) So I wanted to throw it to, to Ryan just to hear, you know, how did your love for the soap genre start? And, you know, where do you stand with the community at large? And, you know, what keeps you coming back? Well, you know, much like you guys, um, mine started with my family. Um, Both of my grandmothers, my maternal grandmother and my paternal grandmother are big soap fans and they watched (laughs) competing networks. So my paternal grandmother, my grandma, she uh, was a big CBS and NBC soap fan. 
And my Nana, my mom's mom, she was an ABC soap viewer, like through and through. And so some of my earliest memories are, you know, waking up and hearing the loving theme song, you know, waking up from my naps and hearing that because my Nana loved that. Um, you know, watching All My Children. She was a big All My Children fan. She loved Erica. So anything that was going on with Erica, I was, you know, I knew about Erica and Dimitri, Erica and Jackson, like all of that. It was exciting to me. I think one of the first soap characters I really, really liked was Haley Chandler. And like, because Kelly Ripple was from New Jersey and like my Nana told me that and she was like, she's, she's a local girl and she's like, look at her on the show. And it was just nice, you know, seeing that with her. On the other side, my grandma loved The Young and the Restless. She was a big Victor Newman fan. And then when the Winters were introduced and the Barbers, I mean, she just loved them so much. She loved that damn Drusilla, as she called her. And it was, I got to spend time with them that way. And, and like, it was something that they were just so passionate about and mm -hmm. talking about with their friends and family and, that's how I got lured into it, lured into the idea of storytelling and, and, and what it involves. And then, you know, seeing that type of element in the shows that I watched that were for me, like X-Men, X-Men, the animated series was a soap opera. Oh, like, absolutely. You know, so it's, it, it formed my love of storytelling. And though I kind of fell off um, for a little bit when I discovered the community online, it was this amazing thing because it was like, oh wow, like there are people who watch it too. Surprisingly, I found the soap community through my football team because they were obsessed with GH. They love Sunny Corinthos and all of that. And I what a connection. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I kind of got online and found a couple of different boards. I won't say because I got banned from them. Um, but it was like, I found that community and it's that sense of community that has kept me here. Even if I stop watching a show, I still am involved with the community that way. I mean, one of my oldest friendships is 18 years with someone that I knew when we were kids on message boards and we're still friends. We travel to see each other. We hang out like he's my best friend. That's an 18 year friendship that is lasting yeah. because of the soap community. And you guys, Corian and Ashley, you know, our friendship was forged out of this, this thing, this genre that we love and frustrate, you know, frustrates us, but those bonds are formed. And, and I think about how our friendship has, you know, uh, uh, grew well beyond what this genre is and how you guys have helped me through, you know, real life things and personal loss. Like that connection is there. Fuck, uh, sorry, screw the soaps. You know, that community <laughs> is what is what holds on. And I, it's true. I would not know where I were, were be if it wasn't for like you guys. So that's um, what brings me back. I love you guys. I love you too. It's And it's honestly true. I think the community is like, it's it's literally it's a glue that's why you know even after decades of these shows being canceled you can find at least five to ten people still talking about this show at any given time it's like that communal aspect of the soap genre 
really adds so much to it. And I think it's because so many people in the community are smart and clever. And, you know, if we, if something doesn't happen on the show, then they can think of something else that could have happened. You get fan fiction, you get all these like wonderful ideas that the community has. And it just kind of enriches that experience for you. And I think that's always what's really held me in the community. And so I wanted to pose the question finally to Trish, just to hear, you know, how you started off with soaps and what keeps you connected, however you stay connected. So um, my first memory of um, a soap, I think I was, I had to be under the age of six, maybe like four or five. And it was the summertime because, you know, that's most, that's mostly the time when, you know, I would get a chance to watch soaps, right? This is before we had a um, DVRs and we had um, VCRs. So my cousins, they were teenagers. They were probably like 17, 16, 17. And somebody was giving birth on screen. So, you know, when you're that age, you're like, oh, wow, what's happening? So, you know, we tried to watch it and they shoot us out. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. You guys are too young to watch this. You should go outside and play. That was my first memory. So as I got older, and that probably like, makes you want to watch more. <laughs> correct. It did. I was fascinated, right? So then when I got older, um, probably about 10 or 11 or so, I started watching it on my own because, you know, I wasn't much of a person that went outside. I used to read a lot. So I wasn't a play outside kind of person. So <laughs> I watched a lot of TV. And so during the daytime, that's what's on. So you'll watch it. So I remember starting to watch the ABC soaps. I was probably about 10. And I remember going to vacation Bible school in another part of the county. So I stayed for two weeks with my aunt and she loves soaps to this day. You know, that's one of the people that I still watch soaps with and we still talk about soaps all the time. So when I go home for Christmas or I go home for a holiday, that's something that the women in my family will do because they'll, they'll kind of congregate during the daytime and mm -hmm. that's what we do. So um, she, she and I we were watching All My Children, right? And in the middle of All My Children, she turned. And I was like, well, what, what are you doing? Why, you would turn from All My Children? She was like, yes, to the bold and the beautiful, because it's better. And I was like, oh, really? She was like, oh, just wait and see. So, <laughs> and she was right. It wasn't at that point in time. So I remember standing in front of my television on commercials, when I got home, I was standing in front of the television during commercials, turning back and forth between the soaps to watch some of this soap and some of that soap because they were coming on at the same time. The con that's so the old struggle. <laughs> yes, the old struggles, right? I, I, I did it like every day, um, but I really didn't fully watch and really, really, really love a character until I saw Drusilla because I was just watching it for stories and what people were doing. And I really didn't care about characters per se. I didn't ship them, so to speak. And I didn't really fall in love with a character until Drusilla. So that really changed my whole soap watching, um, the way I watch soaps. So why do I, it's these soaps, they're like, it's like a family, right? You know, somebody said, I can't remember who it was that um, watching a soap is like reading your favorite book that never ends. Yeah. And for somebody like me who's a reader, it's like I cannot let these characters go. They're like family. It's, it's so comforting to come in, just watch them, and it's like, oh, wow. 
I, it, it's hard to let go. So I um I joined. I, I used to be on uh, a lot of the message boards, as you guys know, because I told you before, and you know I was notorious, right? But I didn't really find my tribe, so to speak, until I joined Twitter. And this was probably like in 2013. Mm -hmm. And I joined them for Devon and Hillary, right? Mm -hmm. So I, that was my tribe. So before then, I, I really didn't have a so tribe to connect myself with other than just my family. And I, I to this day, you know, I still have friends that are offline that we have this group text message and we go back and forth. We've been friends almost our whole lives and we still watch these soaps. I mean, sometimes people fall off, but they always come back. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's like an old friend. You can't let it go. It really is. Yep. And I think that that really perfectly leads into my next question that I'm going to pose for the whole panel. So feel free to chime in when you want. Have you ever seen Black people connect to any other genre in the way that they connect to soap operas? And if we really break it down, why do we think that we latch so easily onto it? Do you think it might be because it felt like more of an escape from our own real life hardships? Especially since people often call the soap genre an escapist genre. Um, what would you think? I think it's, I really think it's about how we were brought into it. You know, every black person I know came into soaps through their auntie, their mom, their grandma, somebody that they knew and loved brought them into it. It introduced them into their, it bring, introduced them into the genre. So I think because of that, it, it brings up that familiarity, that maybe that warmth, though, the, that instant memory of when you started watching. I think that's why we have taken to it the way that we have in a way that I, I, the only thing I could say that rivals Black people's love of soaps is probably Black people's support of Tyler Perry projects. Like, those are the only Some of them, yeah. But, like, I, I just feel like it's that, it's that thing, right? It becomes ours. We, we get it from our family, and we love it, and we watch it mm -hmm. until we don't. And then it's kind of like the same thing with the Tyler Perry films, right? Our auntie, our grandma, so-and-so loved the Tyler Perry uh, plays when they were plays. And because of that, we now latch onto it. It's kind of like ours. We take a little bit of pride in ownership. We want to support it. I think it's the same way. When you see Black soap stars who made it, because we're, they're very few and far, right? The people who really became the, the big stars, the Shamar Moores, the the Debbie Morgans, the Victoria Rouse, those names, you knew them when, you knew them back when. Oh yeah, I knew, mm -hmm. I, I knew him when he was Malcolm on the Young and the Restless, always mm -hmm. been sexy, look at him. Mm -hmm. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of take that pride in ownership and you don't really get that from any other type of genre and something that will span the generations that it has. You don't really get that. You don't. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm take it a little bit further than that because my grandma used to say something that I mean, you know, she was old, so she was allowed to say whatever she wanted, but she used to say something that I, I found to be a little 
strange at first. I asked her, I was like, why do you watch these all the time? She's like, girl, this is the only time I can see white people actually being portrayed as crazy. I was like, <laughs> what? She's like, you know, they got, everybody thinks they're just perfect. And, you know, you put on a soap opera and they are anything but perfect on here. Meanwhile, something that we've always complained about, my grandma used to say, yes, what few black people we do have on here, you know, there's not enough of them, but they're always in, you know, they're always the doctor, they're always the lawyer, they're always the, you know, unassuming uh, black person who doesn't make any waves, there's no villains, they're just there to watch these crazy white people. And I was like, well, that's true, but grandma, you didn't have to say it. <laughs> that's why she connected to it. She really just wanted to see how unperfect white people were. I don't know why, but... Um, Sounds like my grandma, too. Exactly. So, I mean, there's that. As far as... I, I, I really can't think of anything else other than Tyler Perry. I don't possess that. Uh, I don't either. But I know some people do. He has a couple of plays that I've seen that I thought were funny. But that's that's it. Um, th- yeah, there isn't really anything else that I can think of that black people have latched onto, unless it's like church related. Yeah, that's probably true. Like, what what other genre can you like call your mom or like a friend and be like, girl, did you see what Victor did to Nikki today? Like you're talking about these characters about like they're real people and you yeah, don't get exactly. that connection with like you just can't get that with like a comedy series or a primetime mm-hmm. drama series because yeah. it's, you don't well, see I think the long dead is helps make that possible, yeah. right? They've yeah. been around forever. Exactly. Yeah. So and I, so our parents were watching it when they were young and then we watched it when we were young. So And I think it you really have that ties generation generational exactly. tie. I was going to say that really ties into the generational aspect that Ryan was talking about. Because if you just really think about it, if your aunt or your grandma hasn't been watching for five years, you can, like Rodrigo said, call her up and be like, did you see what Victor did? And then she could immediately understand who that character is and then be curious about what could happen because she knows the history about crazy things that have happened to this character. So it's kind of like... It's, it's kind of like this, like, icebreaker in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like, you can bring right. it for someone who knows the the story or even just a character or two. You can bring that up to them and you can still connect to them, um, you know, with that. And I think also bringing the generational thing back to Ashley's point, I think the older generations definitely watched it in a different way than we watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because my grandma always said a very similar thing too. She loved to see the black characters as doctors. She loved to see them as yeah. best friends. She loved to see them as cops because obviously growing up when she did, she had to face a lot of like overt racism. Mm-hmm. We have, we grew up with a lot of covert racism. You know, we weren't necessarily always affronted with racism in the way that, you know, the older generations were. So yeah. for them to see a character that looked like them, no matter how many there were, doing great things on a television show that they watched and they loved, that they knew millions of other people watched and loved, like that was enough for them. Yeah. And I think that's like such an interesting thing because I really think that's where that attachment started because I think it it did kind of become like a sort of like escapist thing for a lot of people in that generation, especially. Because for me, I never watched soaps, you know, thinking like, oh my God, I wish I was in Salem and, you know, doing, but that was never, you know, my dream or anything, but. <laughs> well, we'll see. Well, with the escape is, 
idea is not necessarily you think, well, I wish I was in Salem doing what Sammy does. It's kind of like I escape from the humdrum issues right. in my own life. Mm -hmm. And all I have to really think about is what's going on, on, on in the General City. Exactly. Yeah. So it's and escaping I, that in that way. Not that I, you know, I would like to be this person, but now I, I can think about the problems that Sharon has. I don't have to worry about paying my rent for an hour. Yep. And I think that's such a cool thing to just yeah. always connect to. Go ahead, Rodrigo. My mom started watching, to be honest, because she, she was she's from the United States. Soap operas, believe it or not, was a good way of learning English for a no. lot of immigrants. So just because the way the, especially in the 70s, the characters were talking slow, they were, you know, enunciating their words back then <laughs> a little better. Uh, you could hear them clearly and the scenes were longer. So it allowed mm -hmm. like, like my mom to like learn the English, like, you know, repeat the words they were saying. And then, then she started loving like the characters. So it started with English and then it got into the characters. She's like, once she learned the English, she's like, oh my God, Erica and Cliff and Angie and Jesse. And like, then she started getting to love it more. So a lot of people, don't, I don't know if a lot of people knew that like, especially immigrants that came in the 70s and 80s, soap opera was a way to watch, to learn English back then. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, I, I, I feel like American soaps is like, it's part of our culture, right? Um, I'll give you a story. I was in a meeting, right? And our director, we were looking at some charts and he goes, oh my gosh, I mean, you guys reported the same thing to me. It's like Victor Newman on the Young and the Wrestling. I, I tuned in last year and they were doing the same thing then they're doing now, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. So, of course, when he's saying the rest, I picked up. So, I'm like, oh, my tribe. <laughs> <laughs> I got to talk to him later. I love that. No, I, th I think you guys always bring up such awesome points. Things that I didn't even really think about either, especially, like, the, the learning English part. But it really has, no matter what your stance is on a soap opera, there's no one alive in America right now that doesn't have any kind of connection to the genre. Whether they hate it, they think it's hilarious to look at, right. whether they watched it for a month, like you can say these things and people will get it. And I think it drives back to that, you know, community aspect that I think that everyone just really sticks around for. And so I wanted to, you know, keeping on this positive note, I really wanted to ask you guys, and this is for the whole panel again, um, you know, what have been some positive examples of race-based stories or, <laughs> or, or your favorite stories with characters of color, Black characters? What have been okay. some examples of that? And on the flip side after that, I want to hear some wishful stories too. What would you like to see for the current Black characters that we have on screen? I'm glad you reworded that question. I'm glad you did too. Yeah. <laughs> the first Listen. part of that question I was like, mm. Honey, unfortunately, honey, baby. <laughs> I'm sure there must have been one. I was I, in the I, 70s, I have, but I heard I there were some I have to take it back to the early 90s. Guiding Light, uh, the character of Jilly Grant, David Grant, Cat Speaks, Nia Long, back in the days. Oh, yeah. Days. Uh, back then, that that early 90s Guiding Light had to be the most diverse soap opera I have a, I have a scene since generations. 
back then. So you had all type of different characters, backgrounds, nationalities, and whatnot. And then the one storyline they did do was a storyline involving David Grant uh, mm-hmm. killing a racist character, a racist white character. And recently they just put clips on Twitter. They back, they were using the N-word mm-hmm. back then. They really like they put it right in your face. And I don't remember soap operas doing that after that towards the you know late 90s early 2000s even to today mm-hmm. i don't see a story for black folks that is in your face like that that is true to life that is yeah. I, i've never seen it before and that that's one of my earliest memories of seeing that and the town coming together and standing behind this black man all, you know, all these white people are standing, you know, for this man who's standing up for what, what, what he believed in. Um, that's the last time I see it. Now, today, you get, I hate to say it, you know, you got these, the Curtis Asher characters on General Hospital speaking in this. I, I, I don't know what, who allows him to do his, di- do his dialogue. I, I don't get it. I don't know. I, you go from huggy bear. What, we used, what we used to do <laughs> to like, yeah, huggy bear language. And I'm just like, why? We just went backwards so fast. Um, but that's my earliest myth. Like, Guy and I did it best back in the early 90s. I haven't, you know, maybe General Hospital in the 90s with Mary Mae Ward and the Ward family. Uh, but other than that, I have not seen anything remotely that comes close to what it used to be. Yeah, I remember seeing those clips on, on Twitter, and I was like, I didn't even know this existed. This is awesome. Same. <laughs> Somebody sent me this whole storyline so I can watch it. But yeah. yeah, he's right. I mean, since then, there hasn't been anything other that I can think of that specifically dealt with race other than you know, Theo shooting. And that really wasn't even about Theo after a while. I, right. I mean, it was about him initially, and then it just became about, you know, white guilt. So I can't really <laughs> I, I can't really credit that for anything. I mean, it, it definitely, it, I'm glad that the only person in, the, in that storyline oh no, that's not true. But the only people in that storyline that got Emmys off of that were the, the black characters. So I am yeah. I'm very happy about that. But yeah, I mean, specifically about race, I, I mean, they they alluded to some racial tension once between Maya and, you know, Caroline on being Right, I remember that. Um, they, I, I believe that the there was a rumor, I don't even know if it was even verified, that, you know, that car accident that Devon got into on New Year's Eve, you know, was supposed to be something different. It was supposed to be a racially, you know, some storyline where he was supposed to have gotten shot by a cop or something like that. And they changed that completely. I don't know if that was ever verified. Trish might be able to to give more information as to whether or not that was actually verified as true. Um, but yeah, there hasn't really been anything. As far as like just regular storylines that black people were in, I, I was reminded recently how unbelievably 
amazing it was to see because obviously I wasn't alive during the time that it first happened but it was so amazing to go back and see the clips of Angie running behind that goddamn train that Jesse was on in 2008 with Alicia <laughs> King like you'll never see me again running in the, ba- in the background and she is screaming and crying for the love of her life and he came back to her that was beautiful I was like oh my god <laughs> it gets me every single time but yeah, I mean, and of course there's Hillary and Devon, but you can't really, yeah, really say that, right? That they didn't yeah. have a lot of great moments unless you were a, a you know a crazy shipper like me and Trish. Then you held on things, so it didn't really matter. Exactly. <laughs> I would say that, um, you know, it's the only like race storyline I can even think of. And my like in my generation, my era, was that um, hate group uh, story on One Life to Live that Ron Cravavati was pinning. Um, that just was an absolute cluster f. Was that but about Talia? Yes, with Talia, oh, God. And Layla, and Ev- yeah, all of I that. Evangeline. that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. That's Ooh, the thing that got Angelina in a coma, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it was the closest thing to an issue race-based type of, of storyline because they were a hate group that had infiltrated Landview. Mm-hmm. And One Life to Live, for its faults, was probably one of the most diverse ABC yeah. soaps. You had your Black families, you had your Latino families, you had your Irish families, you know, and then you had a mixed bag of others. And so they always kind of um, played into that. I know well before we were all born, they had a story um, with a Black woman who was white passing, right? And that was a big deal. So, like, they always kind of took that, that like, socially conscious approach to, to things which they tried to replicate in the 2000s, um, not so much success, but at least they, they made an effort. And that's one thing I, I kind of try to give Ron a little credit for. He doesn't do it very well, um, but he at least tries. And that's something that I think a lot of creatives kind of took um, a giant step away from, that mm-hmm. um, one of the things we used to talk about all the time is the the power of storytelling and the responsibility that you have. And that kind of got lost on people. Yeah. And it doesn't help when you have executives trying to dictate, well, you know, you need to appeal more to this section of the country. And right. maybe you should not, you know, get too controversial about these things when these are things that people need to see because they help educate. Look at how... Right portrayals of LGBT people have has helped change perception in this country, how interracial uh, relationships um, on TV has helped change perception. Soap operas used to be the driving force of that change. Yeah. And then somewhere along the way, they forgot who the hell they were. Um, but that's a different subject for another time. Um, but as far as like stories that I that I like that that involve black characters, I, I definitely have to say pretty much anything Debbie Morgan was involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't blame you for that children. one. 
Like she's That's a just, good one. <laughs> she's just so phenomenal. And then to see, like, she went from All My Children to Loving to the city, and then years later went back to All My Children. Hell, even when she joined Port Charles initially, she had really good stories. So, like, and definitely I think, her. Yeah, and I would have to say, the way that they treat her, they treat her like a leading lady. Mm. And I think I never watched all of the ABC soaps. That was not, you know, my family's channel. That was, didn't become my channel. But the way that they always treated Debbie Morgan is, is, is I've always noticed that, like, she's, she's always just been well-respected. Where else, you know, you see other Black actresses and they don't get that same respect. Like, what other Black actress would you say has been able to have been written into multiple soap operas and given story arcs and, like, had characters built off of her? You know, you don't really get that that much. Um, But I think, you know, just touching on your point really quick, Ryan, just about, and on Ashley's as well, you know, with the shooting story with Theo, we have to remember, too, it started off really well. It did. (laughs) And then, you know, you had characters bringing up things like, you know, Mm -hmm. unarmed Black teens being shot all across America. You know, they didn't shy away from those things. But like Ryan said, unfortunately, a lot of higher up people tend to get involved and then things go left. And so... I really do want to see more of those stories. It doesn't have to be as grim as that, but just something that real Black people can connect to. Yeah, the Avon story started out phenomenally. Incredible. Uh-huh. And, and it lasted a good year before, I guess, Brad was like, okay, enough of this bullshit. Let's get back to dumb stuff. That was probably <laughs> the most realistically portrayed Black family I've ever oh seen. Oh my God. They uh-huh. were the US amazing. soap opera. They were amazing. I think one of my favorite scenes was probably the most understated scene. It was actually when they were in um, the like a cafe or something. And the parents were there and Nicole was there and she was just telling them how what they were doing to Maya was wrong. And I just remember watching that scene like, first of all, I talked to my parents like this. There was a moment where the mom looked at her like, who the hell do you think you're talking to? I was like, that's my mom. You got scared for Nicole, didn't you? I was like, oh, uh-huh. no, back it up a little bit. She gonna slap the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> and what yeah. about you, Trish? Did you have any favorite, uh, you know, stories that are from Black characters or, you know, just based on race? Um, I, I mean, I've been sitting here thinking about it, and for as long as I've watched soaps, I cannot think of one story that was based on race or racism. Um, I've seen plenty of AIDS stories. I've seen rape stories. I've seen breast cancer stories. I've seen transphobic stories, homophobic stories. Not one story based on racism have I seen. Now I've watched soaps a long time, right? Um, I, I, to go back to what Ryan said, you know, we're at a point now, we're at a time where, you know, we're at a crossroads and soaps used to be that mechanism to drive public opinion because, you know, you had a bunch of people, you know, they were watching these stories and it was, it were people that they loved, right? So when something happened to these people that they love, they had more empathy for them. So, you know, it's easier to watch somebody on the news that's done whatever, but when you see Theo or someone that you already love and something happened to him, it gives you a moment of pause. So I think soaps going forward, you know, they have an opportunity now to actually go back to their roots and tell some really great stories 
that could sway public opinion. Now more than ever, you know, people, the press is watching. These things can be huge for these shows. Yeah. If they just take a chance and do it again. You've done it yep, before. Take a chance. Now, I, I did hear that same rumor that Ashton heard about Devon getting shot. And of course, you know, my first thought then was, please don't kill my boo. But um, I, 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 it wasn't verified for me either, so I'm not sure. But that would have been a great story. And I actually heard about the story on Days with Theo. And I remember everybody raving about it, raving about it in the community. And then I remember when it went sour. Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, I'm glad I didn't join in for that. <laughs> <laughs> quick. I but like, I'm glad I didn't do it because I was I was like, you know, I need to watch days to see this. And then it went left. Very quickly. I right. think that maybe, just maybe, as much as we love Theo and as much as we feel as though it had to have been done with him, I think maybe had one of the two characters changed, it would have been better. Had had um what's his name? Um JJ. JJ. Had JJ shot an unarmed black man that wasn't Theo, it would have been better. Had Theo mm-hmm. been shot by a different cop that was not JJ, it would have been better. Just a switch there because mm-hmm. by keeping those two characters the same, Ron had to write them both as sympathetic. True. Mm-hmm. And that situation should not be sympathetic for both sides, in my opinion. Right. Not at the time. The time he did it, we were very much in the first wave of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. So at that time, if he were to have done that randomly when none of this, you know, had popped off, then it probably would have been okay. But in the midst of that, you're gonna you're, you're gonna show me how he's so upset that he wants to commit suicide. <laughs> really? I don't care. See, I, I thought it was daring to use JJ because you have two characters that people love. And I, I think it would have been okay to villainize JJ because m- most people have biases, right? You have a bias. Uh-huh. And, you know, a bias is not an ism. So exactly. when you recognize you have a bias and you say, oh, okay, I have this bias. I need to, right. to change the way that I perceive other people. That would have been a good way to um, write JJ. Mm-hmm. And then people could understand it because nobody wants their um, their flaws thrown in their faces, right? So mm-hmm. if you write it with more sensitivity, then you won't have to worry about offending people. And, and look and at I, that. And look I can't that. help but wonder how different things could have been had Kyler stuck around because yeah. shipping Theo off to Africa to <laughs> get better. Wait well, a minute. To be fair, everybody <laughs> Everybody's on. Yeah. They all go to Africa. Listen, <laughs> everyone goes. Listen, he had to go back to the motherland so that the Black Panther, the spirit of the Black Panther, could take oh his pain God. away. He <laughs> went to his brother, okay? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I, I would have like I would have loved to have seen what they like what they could have done, yeah. showing Theo recovering and Same. being afraid of JJ and uh, and being afraid to go out and struggling not only as a black man who now you know is aware of the fact that he's he's black, but he also has autism. Exactly. So like. You know, that's that's a double thing. And then how that could be, how that could affect. And then I can only think about, like, what Lexi would have done if Lexi were there. Like, Lexi would have brought down the entire 
lineage <laughs> of the Demera line on JJ and the rest of the Hortons. Absolutely. You know, like, and, and that's the thing where you, when you think about the short-term decisions that creatives do by killing off or, or refrigerating our Black characters the way that they do, and then that's the end of it, right? Because they, they represent a, a, a role that hasn't been replicated. I mean, has there been a major Black female character I said major, since Lexi was killed off, other than Lonnie, who's just now getting her flowers? Mm -hmm. No. Can't think of it. Exactly. And I think I think that really, you know, I'm I'm glad the discussion moved this way because, you know, to bring back to my second point in that question was what are some sort of stories that you would love to see for either current black characters or introducing new black characters? What what do you want to see in your soaps? Mm. So, I just spoke, so I'll let somebody else start off. But I have two specific ideas that I would love. To. Um. Well, of all the soaps, I'm gonna be honest with you. There's two of them that I'm never going to tune into again. So we can knock those right off the table. Get the fuck out of my face! I'm never watching those shows again. I don't care what they do on those shows. Now, if I was inclined to to watch one of the two, it would probably be B and B before GH, but whatever. Um, so as far as the other two soaps, I mean, I said this on Twitter the other day. I am okay with something outlandish and ridiculous that makes no freaking sense that turns Amanda back into Hillary. I'm fine with it. Say that she has a brain tumor, saying that she she was body swapped. Yeah. Say she was, you know, invasion of, you know, the body snatchers. I don't care. I don't care about Amanda. I'm sorry. I love Michelle Morgan. And I am happy that Michelle Morgan is employed. She can stay employed for the rest of her life. And I will be very happy with that. I don't care about Amanda's character. The only time I cared about her character, surprisingly, was when she was kind of sort of with Billy. (laughs) Other than that, I don't care. I have no connection to this character. Every time I see her on screen, I just get sad because I want my Hillary pet. So I, I would be okay with that. Make up some sort of ridiculous story where she's actually Hillary and give me my goddamn couple back. Now, I, I support I support Brighton. I support Devon. I am well aware that he is cohabitating and damn near married to Brittany Sarpy. I don't feel as though that is that alone means that their characters should be paired together indefinitely. I don't believe that at all. I don't want to lose Brittany because you know how the show is. The minute they uh-huh. elevate one black actress, they fire the other one. I don't want them to do that. And I also want them to bring back uh, my girl Lauren uh, as well. But mm. I just I just I can't. It's been years now and I can't think of another couple on the planet that I love as much as I love them. I, I just... It's just not going to happen for me. So if I can't get them back, then at least do something interesting with with Devon and, and Elena. I mean, every t- when I talked to to Brighton last year, um, he kind of made it a point to say that Hamilton Winters wasn't going anywhere. Hamilton Winters is gone. Poor Brighton. He has to like. Oh gosh. He he has to toe the line so much. But <laughs> Hamilton Winters is gone, dude. Like the only thing that we talk about Hamilton Winters for now is the is the the clinic and before that, New Hope or whatever that was called, um, the charity with Nick. 
we don't talk about it anymore. I mean, that was part of Neil's legacy, and it's gone. The office is gone. The whole GCAC is gone. So, I mean, there's that. Um, so I, I'm willing to accept pretty much anything that's different and dynamic. Do I mm. think they need to come back immediately and do a race-based storyline? No. Absolutely not, because I don't trust them to do that. I just want them to to write the the black characters the same way they they write the white ones. Give them something outlandish to do. Give them a villain. Give them, you know, a kidnapping storyline. Give them, you know, a hostage. Give them something, anything. Now, as, as far as days, I mean, I, I mean, I guess we have a Lonnie. Yeah. And, and so there's... they're so pretty. I, I... I 100% agree with Ashley on that. I mean, I have, I I think that uh, Michelle Morgan has done wonders for this character, Amanda. I think she works very hard. Um, I can see her chops because, you know, I don't think Hillary and Amanda are anything at all alike. And it's not just writing, it's her acting, it's her choices. So Mm -hmm. kudos to her. as, as far as stories go, um, Hamilton Winters, I remember when Ashley interviewed Brighton for his anniversary. And one of the questions that I begged her to ask was, what's going to happen with Hamilton Winters? And what's going to happen with the rivalry between Devon and Nate? Because from where I sit, this is the nucleus of the story for those characters. I mean, a business story that would be everything for those characters so the one that what i want to see and i mean i could come up with some stories for some other shows but you know i'm so far removed from general hospital just waste my time so um but back to hamilton winters you know give devon and nate a rivalry over that business because it's already set up. That's what I thought they were going to do. But exactly. They didn't do yeah. When he get uh, uh, Neil's will. Yes. When Neil's will, it was set up yeah. to have these two rival each other over that company. Mm-hmm. But they went nowhere with it. That's where the story is. You already have a board of directors with Lily. I mean, have Devon marry um, oh, Elena yeah. yep. and have her take some percentage of that company to give her a role on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. This is how you incorporate all the characters. I, I mean, I could write this story for the show, but <laughs> I mean, I feel like now if, if I give them too much information, they'll just pass it on to one of the Newmans. So exactly. I'm not going to give too much information. Exactly. <laughs> and we've talked about this before because that storyline that you just pitched is exactly what they would do for an Abbott or a Newman. But they this is exactly what they workers. do. What the? F- oh my god! This, this is, is exactly bad. what they do. They gave them this company, and once Neil left, that was it. They didn't do anything else with it. And we thought this is where they were going, and we were all revved up for it. And block nothing, nothing, nothing. Even bringing Michelle Morgan back, we were like, "Oh, this is gonna be great. They're gonna build up Devon and Elena, and then they're gonna bring Hillary back." Block nothing. No. Devon and Amanda rarely even share scenes. I don't even know what was the point. They they don't even share scenes. Where's they, the drama? They, they didn't even talk about why exactly she has her face. They <laughs> haven't no. even touched that. She's been there a year. She's been back a year. And to have, I mean, they had Devon pining and grieving for Hillary for a year. Mm. And to bring in a look alike, it's like he doesn't even care 
that this person has is why it doesn't make sense. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, so this, yeah. this is I the same like people that have. Right right? at, at, at the end of the day, for me, I just want us to be seen and heard because for years, we're seen as the best friend character, the side character, the supporting character. We've never like led our own stories, given the same chance as an Eric Braden or a Melly Thomas Scott, or you, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. they get all these chances, but anytime any black characters get any semblance of about to get that hint of popularity or or something, it, it just we just get. Get, just keep getting like bogged down and it's like it never ends like the other day I'm watching Hamilton I'm watching Renee, Renee Ellis Goldsberry oh my her. god we had her she could have been the best the, a soap superstar but now she's Broadway superstar thank god because she's amazing in Hamilton but we had her in our midst <laughs> and we let her go it's just like things like that it's just like it's the talent the raw talent in these black actors, especially today, like they're just hungry for material, hungry to show their stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of our black actors have had to leave daytime and go to prime time to take their chances. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. and, and, you and know they are saying? the flourishing. Okay. Yeah, flourishing. And I love it. Rome flourishing. Flynn, I'm talking to you. Um, you know what I mean? Like, Rome I, Flynn. Just, like, Vanessa Antoine, Vanessa Antoine, baby. Renee That's Elise fun. Goldsberry, Gold, yeah. um, um, Nafisa um, Sumter, Nafisa Williams, <laughs> Williams. Rain like, Edwards. Exactly, they all leave all and blow bad, up. Yes, <laughs> that and, tells you something. Like that yep. tells you something. Right and it's there. because there's there's that opportunity, even with even with as discriminatory as Hollywood can be there's still more opportunity outside of the soap genre Mm -hmm. for the young black hungry or even the driven black older who's able to get that success and get that chance and show what they're able to do and then you see what they left in their wake and they don't even try to give us good recasts they just go off to Home Depot or Family Dollar <laughs> and pick up the first <laughs> generic brand that they can find. I'm talking and about New to latch on to it. I'm just saying in general. <laughs> I'm saying in general. But it's just, it's like, it's so frustrating to me. But then I see what these, oh, what these beautiful Black people are able to do when given that chance. Like most people don't realize that Nafisa Williams was on One Life to Live. I was a remember. fucking soap star. I you know what I'm saying? They had her in a story. On Black Lightning right now, yeah. which is such a great show that people are sleeping on, yes. mind yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I mentioned that, just want to give a shout out to um the new Batwoman on the I was gonna US say, oh, that she's fine as hell. Who is yes, this? Yes, yes. Oh, they need and they need Woo. to not pair up Black Lightning and, and Batwoman because that's just so that's a little oh, racist. God. But um, but like some of the things that I that that I want. All right, so GH is the show that I unfortunately watch. So my big thing um, that I would want to see for story involves a beloved character from another show and someone who's connected to an existing family right now. 
GH is currently the hospital is being sued by Nell. I would love to have the hospital lose that case because Monica and Bobby did commit a crime, okay, against Nell. So let's have the hospital take that financial hit and now they need people. So why not introduce a consortium led by all my children's Dr. Angie Hubbard and mm -hmm. others to come in and rescue the hospital. Much like Grey's Anatomy, when the doctors took over the hospital, let's do something like that. You have her come in, you have her son Frankie come in, maybe have oh. Natalia move to town, you know, and cause she's a cop. And now you've got this black family here. And one of the things that she does is she brings with her back Maya Ward, who's a doctor and tied to the quarter names. And so you're having to deal with this intra-person, this intra-family dynamic of the Quartermains who are so essential to that hospital, who no longer are on the inside of power, having to deal with these outsiders who happen to be Black coming in and now are running. Oh, I love that. And they're changing the dynamics of the hospital. They're making things more, more equal. They're having a lot more opportunities for people to move on, you know, um, and, and become... Uh, upward mobility. They're they're talking about the, um, the 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 care that's not going on in the communities of color. Working mm -hmm. with Laura to try to introduce these different things, and you play that up. That way, you're still being entertaining by bringing the drama and the conflict, but you're also highlighting very things that go on in communities of color across this country with their medical issues. And that also ties into the Quartermains with what Michael wanted to do with the clinic. So you could have Frankie moonlighting at the clinic that Michael is running by the waterfront. It, it's all about how you move those pieces around. But that's something I would definitely like to see on GH1. Debbie Morgan is, is awesome and just perfect. And I feel like she is the injection that that show would need in order oh, to absolutely. bring someone in. And let's not forget that if when Angie comes, she's bringing her husband, who's a fucking chief of police with her. So now he's taken over the police department, and boom, like that's that's one that's another thing. Can all the ads um, leave after that? No, never mind. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, she listen. She got to go to jail now. She covered up murders and shit, oh, like framing geez. people, and she got to go. She can go. <sighs> I miss Vanessa. Um, and then yeah. the other thing would be um, for it's actually uh, uh, YNR related. Because we don't know how much money Days has left in a budget. So yeah, right. let's, let's talk about why not. <laughs> I would love to see Lily and Nick, right? They did it in a fantasy, I believe, yes! a couple of years ago. Oh, that shit was hot. <laughs> I would love to And I don't see even like Nick. <laughs> I was going to say. Fall in love with Nick. And we know Nick is a total model. Yeah. Yes. So let him fall, just fall head over heels for this young, beautiful black woman who's got kids in college and she looks younger than her kids. And they decide to start a family because I would love to see one of these legacy families finally have a person of color in it and have a um, a descendant that's going to be a person of color because all these legacy families around and all this mm. bed hopping around and don't nobody knock up anybody but nope. nobody. Well, I don't think Lily can have kids, can she? I mean, that can they, be they, undone. They, they took her uterus. They can be undone. They can, <laughs> okay. they can, they can, they can grow it back. 
you know, <laughs> some, some, something there to, to work it out. Maybe Hurricane got an egg at a facility somewhere. Right. You know, yeah, that right. was unfertilized. Like, there's a few eggs hanging around. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they can <laughs> randomly find eggs. So, exactly. Just, you know, do something that way. Or maybe have, and I don't know if this was ever done because I, I, I was a kid, but maybe have Lily explore her mom's dad side of the family and maybe meet new relatives that way mm. and you introduce more black people into the canvas and mm -hmm. or she's trying to make that connection like there are different things that they could do they don't have to bring in new people but i think it's just so important that they acknowledge the fact that lily is a black woman um <laughs> and that, you know, that would not really because we know that they have these barber relatives, right? We have Justin. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So he could have siblings, he could have nieces and nephews. Right. It's so much unwritten story. And I think that really, you know, to my point, what I want to see is obviously from my favorite show, Days of Our Lives. Uh, it's just from my wishful story. It's just as simple as, you know, what you guys were talking about before with Lily looking into, you know, her side, her mother's side of the family would be for Days of Our Lives just to pull from that, you know, rich history of Black characters that they've had. You know, granted, they haven't been able to stick around long and they haven't made huge impacts. But if you just really look back on some of the characters that they've had, you know, they had Jonah Carver, who was a great character on the mm -hmm. show for a good number of years. He played a best friend, but he was someone who had a personality. There was Wendy, who was played by, obviously, you know, Queen Lisa Turtle, Lark Voorhees for a good number of years. Like, <laughs> there, there's so many good characters that they could bring back onto the canvas. And, you know, when I spoke to Lamone Archie, I think it was two years ago, he, he's always been very outspoken on Black actors and Black characters in the genre which I've always loved. And even more so lately, I think he recently did an interview where he flat out said Days of Our Lives needs yeah. to bring on more Black people, like ASAP. Mm -hmm. And he has been very vocal about all of these things, which I really appreciate. And whether you like Ilani or not, they have finally, I feel like, really started to do those characters justice. Mm -hmm. They've really, you know... A lot of people are saying, oh, their wedding, you know, was in a restaurant or it was too zany or it was too kooky. For me, watching it, it actually felt like a, it didn't feel like a Black couple's soap opera wedding. It felt like a soap opera wedding. Exactly. Good. And then it Good. also had, you know, an element where, you know, when have you ever seen anybody jump a broom on, you know, in a soap know. opera? I know, I loved it. So that was sweet. So Gosh. it was like, yeah, we're not all the way there. And there's so much more that they can do. But I think, you know, people people often forget just because we always think of these characters as secondary characters or friends and sidekicks that they can't pull from that. There's so many great characters tied to those current characters and who haven't, you know, who, who also who aren't tied to those current characters that are Black that could be brought back to the show. And I think it would just be really great to see them build that out. But obviously this is wishful thinking. <laughs> but you know, Carl, you, you made a point. Like it's always funny how like people's um huh, subconscious uh bias and racism comes out when they're talking about the black characters. Because right. like like the expectations that they would think 
for the wedding that they're supposed to get. It's like, what are you expecting? The black preacher with who who takes a seven hour wedding? Like, <laughs> are, you, are you expecting that? Are you expecting the you know the the, the typical um, <laughs> chicken and watermelon right. to be served? Exactly. <laughs> At the reception. And then the people who are like, who jumps a broom at a wedding? Here's the reason I, I saw those tweets. And the reason why yeah. I didn't say anything to them uh, was because obviously they were dumb. But the reason that people were attacking them wasn't because it was an overtly racist comment. It's because it was an uneducated comment, especially when you have Google. Not only do you have mm-hmm. Google, but you literally have five seconds before they did it. Marlena saying that this was a tradition. Sure All you did. had to do was look it up. Just look it up before you say dumb shit on Twitter and make yourself look like a goddamn idiot and a racist. <laughs> All you have to do look it up. Google is free, sweetheart. It's free. All you had to do. <laughs> and, <I'm right. laughs> and I really think that, you know, bringing it back to the communities and things that we've built, how can we continue to utilize this community? You know, obviously now we have there are people, you know, here on this panel who have had, you know, great experiences talking to Black soap actors and writers and, you know, obviously we're all Black soap viewers. How can we utilize this community at large to continue, like, this, this conversation, to continue making sure that we build things that support and uplift us? Do you guys have any ideas for I, that? I really feel like it is important that we first acknowledge that there is an issue because I see a lot of things online that I never thought that I would see. I see a lot of black female viewers going ham in every single comment about wanting Victoria Rao back saying she's not needed on the canvas. We don't mm-hmm. want her. She's not needed for what? Her time has passed. What could she possibly do? What what is the point of this? We don't just you have to acknowledge why we're saying that we need her back. We're not necessarily saying we need her back because we expect her to be the most popular character on the show again. We're not saying that we need her back because she's going to be thrown into all these storylines. We are saying that we need her back because it's, this is a legacy kind of a legacy character in my opinion because she was on for so long that drove so much story and was the matriarch of her family and everybody else is gone that's why we're saying we need her back so for for me to see online all these black people saying we don't need her back we don't want her back we don't want anything to change it's it, her time has passed uh, nobody wants to work with her uh, just seeing that you guys are so willing to go against it is very disconcerting. It really is. I, I don't I don't like it. I don't comment on it anymore because I mean whatever. Okay. But I see it and I'm just like, girl, uh, okay, all right. So what do you want? And then you ask them what they want, and it's well, I think Phyllis should do that. Like, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> That's all you needed to say. So I think it's important that we that we recognize why it is that we're asking for these things. Um and if it's not something that you want, fine, but don't openly campaign against it <laughs> you know what i mean um but yeah i mean it's 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 just something where we have to continue to be vocal it's a really good point mm-hmm. I, I i agree with ashley yeah. i i've seen the same thing that she's seeing you know i had a conversation with a young lady um on it on twitter because i don't go high as much as i should um <laughs> go low girl <laughs> so don't worry you Trish. know I, it, i'm it, right it, there with a, you 
<laughs> it's extremely hard and disheartening to see black women say, oh, we don't need Victoria Rao or we don't need representation or we don't need um, someone that the cast, you know, the purveyors of microaggressions don't want to work with anymore. It's just, it's mind boggling to me, but we have to acknowledge that, you know, certain things did happen in the past, certain things are still going on. You your head in the sand and say it's not true. We see it, so. Uh -huh. Now, what I think we could do, you know, we, you have to be loud. You know, we have to actually probably put together a campaign and be That's loud. Yeah. Right. A great a great hashtag goes a long way. Right. Mm -hmm. Just Xbox and the showrunners of Loud Sleep Hollow. You know, it'll you can draw attention to it with a snazzy hashtag. Exactly. <laughs> All right. A real good point. In the, in the platform that we have now is. You can't beat it, and I, 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 I didn't think I would see so many fans being vocal about the lack of diversity in the time. I, mm -hmm. I, I, if you told me we were going to do a podcast about this subject, Corey, I would have been like, no, this would never happen. Like, no one cares about what we have to say. But it would be me to be the one who does it, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we just have to continue to be vocal. Use the platform. We know. We have the hashtags of the executives. Like, let them know how you feel about what is going on in a respectful way, but mm -hmm. let them know either way that look, we're, it's a know, problem. It, it's right. an issue with me. You continue to be vocal about the people in the past that made it possible for actors today to be on daytime. Like, think about like I interviewed uh, Amelia Marshall for my podcast, and like the story she was telling me about like what she had to go through. And like, when she started off on Guidelines, she was like one of the only black people on that show. And she didn't really, she didn't think she would still be on there and, and make an impact that she did years later. So like, we just have to honor the actors from the past, continue to be vocal, get, you know, we, we, we have the receipts, we have things to back up our claims. We have to, you know, we have facts behind us. Yeah. And just like, just continue to be vocal. Like I, I love you guys because you guys are so vocal about what's going on, uh, you know. And just don't care. Like what? Like it's it's our time. Like we, it's so much going on right now for us to not to hear what we have to say. But we just have to continue to be vocal. That's all I can say. I also think that it's very important, really quickly, that people understand exactly what it is that we're asking for. Because a lot of people say. Oh, well, they can't be the leads of the show. I mean, the show wasn't built on them. No one's ever asked for any of these characters to be the leads of the show. We have asked for them to be the leads in their own storylines. We've asked for them to, you know, instead of, you don't have to give them an A storyline, but at least let them be present in their B storyline somewhere. At least, you know, if I'm watching 30 what's the runtime usually on a so 38 minutes without mm -hmm. commercials if i'm watching 38 minutes of show and devon is on for four of them that's a problem like <laughs> like that's, i'm talking daily because i do the clipping so i know how long he's on and it's like four minutes seven tops the longest he's ever been on was when neil died 
Like, <laughs> like that's what I'm talking about. We're not asking for a lot. Right. We're just asking for what we can get and for it to be meaningful. Right. You well, know what? I, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you, Ashley, and I'm going to say this. Okay. I think Great, that's Ryan. what we used to ask for. Right? That's what we used to ask for. Yeah. Nah, I want an A storyline now, bitch. I want to leave. <laughs> because okay, if you can okay. go and recast Adam for the 50 million eleventh time, that's and he yeah, dominates 20 plus minutes of airtime, you yeah. can do that for Devon, who's Especially been there since never, 2000 and something. Right. Okay? We've never heard of this man before, but he is on the show all the time. Right. They do that for every, you know, every yeah. new character comes in with a certain archetype and they become right. the male lead. You can offer that same experience to your black leads, or your, 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 your black leads male yes, and female, yeah. and yeah. elevate them to that A-status storyline the same way that the late, great Bill Bell used to do in the 90s for the Blacks on his show. You mm -hmm. could do the same thing. You're right. And we're, we're speaking <laughs> with Brighton. We're talking about a multiple Emmy winner here, people. So it's not like yes. you do it. Right. He has earned that. Right. But he has credentials. That's point. You know, she said that, uh, you know, we're not asking for uh, this, you know, the show to be built around these characters because the show wasn't built around these characters. But, you know, for people who would say that, my question would be, name me a character on this show who was on this show from inception. Name me one. Every character like Adam Newman that we're looking at all the time that's coming on and they're getting 25 minutes of airtime. These people just came on this show. She was a baby ten years ago. Correct. <laughs> so, so I I want this show built around these characters. I want these eight storylines. I want to. I want you to show me that these characters are integral to the show. That's what I want. Yeah. I'm gonna tie this in. I'm gonna tie this in though, so everyone can still answer. But just think of this as just like an added layer to this this final thought, final question. So. You know, as we see the world changing and, you know, we just saw recently that Netflix hired a Black female CMO and now we have Black Batwoman and we already know how the comic space is with oh, characters God. of color. You know, <laughs> now that we have all these things and like you were just bringing up Trish, um, you know, you want these characters to be leads of these shows. Do we expect to see, you know, with the influx of Black talent behind the screens, do we expect to see more shows based for us, on us? Like, the amazing community that we have, and we spoke about it before, people who write fan fiction and, you know, do all these great storytelling. What if the community could mobilize and create some shit of their own? Have we ever thought about that? Let's try and think of, like, those kind of things, if you want to tie that into your, to your last point. Well, I think that's why it's important to sort of... Um, add to the wonderful points that all of you made. We have platforms, all of us. And we all came together to for this new platform because what Corian was trying to do spoke to us. And it was so important for us to participate in this type of conversation. So we use our platforms to support other projects that are done by people of color and are good and try to introduce 
those series to the masses the same way that influencers peddle certain things or people cape for these, you know, untalented um, beige people out there. So let's use our platforms to try to, to try to elevate and, and showcase the different podcasts that are out there and the different TV shows that are out there. Like um, there's a, a new show on HBO by Michaela, um, Oh my God. Michaela Coles, I May yes. Destroy You, one of the best shows I have seen in a very long time. Yes. That I'm is a, another cry. That is a gripping, it's a, it's, it's a different type of show, but it's rooted in drama and soap tropes. And it's also telling major shit. So that's the type of thing that we need to be elevating. We need to be elevating where people go, oh, I wish we had a black superhero show. We do what's called Black Lightning and it's actually really great. You should watch it. Like use that to focus on, use our platforms to highlight these things. Blood and Water on Netflix, which is done with that's a great soap opera type show that's like Gossip Girl meets Elite with black people. Um, You know, um, highlighting the different projects that are all out there, uh, like the Black Creative Network and shining a light on those type of things. Elevating mm-hmm. platforms like Corian's because you don't really have a lot of Black voices out there. And I'm going to make this distinction. While there are people who pretend or like to assume that they are allies, mm-hmm. not every space is for you. Mm-hmm. And not every argument is for you. Sometimes all you need to do is hit retweet. Mm-hmm. Or say I like this. Very Thank true. You. Yeah. Because very, this very is true. not for you. Y'all cannot have this discussion because you're not us. You might want to be, you might think you are, you might act like us because your personality is black gifs, but you're not us. So mm-hmm. don't try to think that this is a space that you can carve for yourself because it's not. Intersectionality is good. But not everything needs to be intersectional. If you want to be mm-hmm. intersectional, amplify our voices. We don't need to hear yours in this. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come in and have to make the effort to bring more Black voices into front and center and reach Very out true. to Black creatives and elevate them and not be afraid to ask the questions you know, that, that they may not want us to ask in our interviews. Because I know that's one thing I vow to do is to start pushing it a little yeah. bit more. Start, you know, asking the more direct questions and, and really try to get the answers and even pressuring the main quote outlets about why they don't cover certain things exactly. and why they don't shine a light on things that they should. Because right. we are a powerful demographic. We are a powerful, rich demographic that needs to start being catered to. And if the genre that we love does not want to do that, then it's time we start giving that attention and that loyalty and giving it to the people who actually deserve it. Bloop. Amen. Amen. Mm. Does anyone else have anything to add to their final thought? Well, mm. I think Ryan covered it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> some people you just don't want to go behind, right? <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> oh, so we're not going to talk about Missy? Okay, cool. <laughs> well, 
that kind of that kind of touched on that but i do like ryan said we do have a platform no matter how many followers you have how many people you're connected with there's someone out there who's listening to you so use your voice for the right thing yes (laughs) however you see fit however you think will get the message out there better use your voice because it's so it's so much more important now now than ever and just touching a little bit on what Ryan brought up, asking those hard questions and things during interviews and just making sure that people are held accountable, whether they did something bad or they did something good. I feel like at this point, we've got to look out for us. You know what I mean? And that's a huge part of why I wanted to do this and why I wanted to bring people together because I love the soap opera community. I also hate the soap opera community sometimes. It drives me crazy. (laughs) But within that community, the Black people that I've met and connected with have such a great amount of respect and, like, admiration for so many of them. And so to be able to talk about this and really bring a highlight to this issue has been a really great, fulfilling thing for me. So, Mm -hmm. like everyone said... Keep speaking out. Hold people accountable. So Barbara Digest, all of y'all, I'm talking to y'all. Y'all know what y'all not reporting on. (laughs) Just hold people accountable and be honest and be open. And until these shows fully speak out and admit to having a problem with race on their shows, I'm not going to fully buy into whatever they're selling. I would also like to hear more from the very few uh, people of color behind the scenes at mm-hmm. these soaps speak out. I mean, I don't know if Susan Dansby is even on Twitter, but she doesn't say anything. Michelle Von Jean pops in every now and then to remind people that she's black in there. <laughs> I'm black and I'm here. Okay, but that's not what we're talking right, what about. What does that we're mean not, for we're, us? Exactly. We're not talking about your presence. We're talking about your impact. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice if they would speak out more, but I'm sure you know they're afraid of losing their jobs, which is something, a whole other situation that they have to deal with that I, I do have respect for, but at some point, yeah. you know, w- what are you going to stand for? And and this is this actually is one of the things that frustrates me about the power that SOD has. Because they could afford, they they could they could give actors and creatives the platform and protect them and let them speak about the injustices that they see that have happened and that are still happening behind the scenes. And they just would rather turn a blind eye to it. You know, it's hard for us to even uh, even as much as new media has become a part of you know, the fabric now, it's still hard to get those people to open up in that kind of way because they don't want to have to deal with retribution or losing their um, losing their careers. But I would love to see if it's not going to be SOD, do it. I would love to see TV Line or The Hollywood mm-hmm. Reporter or Variety mm-hmm. or Deadline afford these Black creatives the platform to be able to speak out truthfully and anonymously about their experiences and bring a light to it. Because that's really the only way that you're going to get that attention. The heads are rolling at these other networks still for Me Too and the racial aggressions that are going on. 
and you notice there's been silence really in the in the daytime community because mm-hmm. nobody wants to touch it. Right. Yeah. We talk about stuff, you know, behind the scenes because we know what some sources have shared and go, how is this not a story? Because they don't want it to be. They only want to focus on the good. No, you need to show where the bones are, honey. You need to dig up the bones and put it out there mm-hmm. so people can see and stuff can be fixed because the racism and the sexism and right. the other type of, of, of behavior that goes on behind the scenes, it's going to continue to happen until there's a light shown on it. Those are the stories. Those are the things that need to be discussed. In 2020, we don't really care about your casting news. In 20, <laughs> like Everyone already knows, clearly. Yeah. Everyone already knows. Mm-hmm. So it's right. like, cover the things that are real stories, that are things that can be actionable and things that we can fix about this genre you know, that we've spoken about for the last hour and change about how much we love and respect and how much it ties us to so many people that we also love and respect. So I wanted to thank all of you again for coming by, sharing your stories and laughing and having, I felt like this episode was nice and bright, Mm -hmm. not light and bright. I didn't say light and bright, nice and bright. (laughs) (laughs) And we all, you know, we still got to get some things off our chest, but I feel like just bringing it back home to that point where these, these stories mean a lot to us mm-hmm. and they're special to us and we want better for them. But we're not going to make excuses for them anymore. And I think that's mm-hmm. what people need to start, those higher ups and execs and everyone needs to start realizing. We're not going to be making those excuses for you anymore. No. So this has been another great episode of Soapboxing with Corian. I'm really thankful for everyone who stopped by and listened and chatted. So obviously you can follow Ashley at Reckless Love with the W on Twitter. You can follow Ryan at Source Ryan. You can follow Trish at Trish underscore all day. Rodrigo's at Rodrigo's World 81. I'm at Not Corian, and I would love to hear all of your feedback on this episode. So please be sure to use the hashtag SoapboxingPod so I can keep track and engage and chat with all of you. I want to hear more stories from more Black Soap viewers on, on what really makes this special for you. Yes. So thanks again. And I can't wait to do this with a different topic next time. That'll be the surprise. Which yes. one will I do next? <laughs> Tune in. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay, before you wrap it up, this is the producer just wanted to say something real quick because during all this, I did some stats. Just FYI, Soapboxing with Corian was the number one debut for um, Artec Media and also Aww. is the number two most listened to podcast on our network. With your job, Corian, you Thank did you. amazing. So I just want to give that little producer's edit before we wrap it up. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. It's all so, just, just, 